Good morning, everyone. It's Dr. P, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Inspirational Podcast. Hey, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Today, I have a young man on his way to college. His name is Michael Peckham. I call him Mikey because he's been a friend of my kids and a friend of our families for a number of years. We've had him over here for sleepovers and trips to the beach and, you know, just things that you do with, with young kids. And he's just a great kid. But on top of that, what's really cool is that Mike is heading to Harvard University this fall. And he's planning on making a difference in the world with, um, with his education and uh, all of his hard work. So I want you to hear his story because it's really inspiring. And, um, you know, I just want to let you know, Mike didn't get in because he was somebody's child or some, you know, child of someone with influence. Mike got in because he worked his butt off to get there and he made it happen. And his story is very uplifting and, and very hopeful. So I hope you enjoy our conversation and, uh, you know, I always enjoy your feedback, of course. And if you're listening to my podcast on Apple, maybe throwing out a little review would be great. I'd really appreciate it as it really helps uh, get the message out. And uh, if you happen to see me on YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button while you're at it. But having said all that, uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike. Mikey, you made it on the podcast. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. And so pumped to have you. This is the first time that we've seen each other really in this house in what, maybe three or four years, right? At least, yeah. And you kind of grew up at some level in this funky little far, funny farm here. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, you. Um, I, I think back when we first met, you were just a little fart playing football with Lorenzo, my son. And I was your crazy coach and we had a lot of fun, <laughs> didn't we? Yes, sir. We really did. So we got big news, though, today. Why is Mike Peckham? Are you a junior, by the way? No. Uh, well, yes, my name is a junior. Yeah. You are a junior because yeah. your dad is, is, he got it first. Yes. So it's Mike Peckham Jr. And you are now part of what graduating class? The class of 2025 at Harvard University. Sweet. Let that one sink in, right? That's a pretty cool thing. And that's one of many reasons why I wanted you to come on today, because I know something about you. Of course, I've known you for a long time and I've watched your development. And I know that you are, um, you're ready to go someplace. And I should say ready. You've been doing it your whole life anyway, right? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. You've been that guy that's been out there just paving his own road, working his butt off and getting yourself to this point. So tell me, what was the experience like finding out? Tell me how you got into Harvard. What was the process of application? When did you find out? What, what happened? Tell us what was going on. Yeah, sure thing. So Harvard's always been that one school that you never think you're going to get in, but you know, you still look forward to it since you're a little kid. And yeah. I've just been working my butt off in school for years now. And uh, so I first started uh, my application process actually last year as a junior. I made my account. I got everything set up just so when I when I logged back on in August when everything was active to apply, yeah. I just had my account set up. Nice. Right. So um, I set up and I was looking at the different essay options we could write. And they give you about seven, seven, uh, seven different options there. And and the last one is just write about anything you want. Right. So I, I of course, I chose that one. <laughs> I'm not going to be confined by right. by a prompt. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that was the first thing I tackled is the common app essay is what it's called. You know, you write about your life experience in 650 words or less. And that's that's basically how they judge you as an applicant. So uh, I just sat down and I was thinking, you know, what about what in my life am I going to write about? And it's hard because you have to balance, you know, writing your entire life story without just making it sound like a checklist. You right. Know? Right. 
What the, was it? What, it's, what was it like? I mean, so you wrote it. If you want to share it, you don't yeah. have to. But what kind of things were important in your decision making, getting to this point that you learned from before? Yeah, sure thing. The biggest thing was just my father. You know what I mean? My parents, both of them, they're they're just awesome. Yeah. Um, but my father, I mean. He's the American dream, right? You know, he left uh, left the house at 17 years old, made a life for himself, you know, made a living, blue collar yeah. worker, never went to school and raised five kids successful. We live in a house now, you know, he yeah. built himself from the ground. And I knew that I wanted to, to just discuss that kind of theme in my essay, because without without my father's hard work, you know, I wouldn't be able to be on this trajectory to go into college and now just enter that next status in society. Right. You know, I, I obviously my wife, Lisa, and I know your dad very well. Yeah. He, he actually came and worked on our property at some time ago. He put the vinyl on my home, did a fantastic job too. <laughs> um, so I want to say, Mike, Nice seeing you, buddy. <laughs> We're talking to you right now on the podcast. I'm sure you're going to be listening to this. So um, it is amazing that, you know, your parents and your family, they come from good stock, obviously. Yeah. And it made it a little, a little I don't want to say easy because these, ro- these roads are not that easy, oh, are no. they? No. Yeah. If they were easy as the old axiom, everybody would be doing it, right? <laughs> it's not that easy. Yeah. And you really have to be focused and you need a support group behind you of people to pick you up when you feel like, you know, you, you're either too tired to continue or you want to throw the towel in. But you already, you've always had what it takes to get there. And now you're experiencing the rewards of that. And that's going that. to be pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a nice rewarding feeling. Tell me about the day you got accepted. Did you open a letter and did your hand shake a little bit when you opened it? Yeah, so it's actually all electronic now. They don't mail out anything, you know, it's just... Tells you where I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly right. So uh, you submit uh, your application to an applicant portal and uh, you just kind of, you can watch it through the whole time before when you submit it till you get accepted, rejected, whatever, you can just watch it sit there and it just lets you know they downloaded it, they're looking at it. Oh. And then uh, on the day of, you know, 7 p.m., yeah. you look and it's just this huge flashing sign. It says your uh, application status has been updated. There's a new notification. Click here to view it. And um, I was downstairs and I got the notification and I ran upstairs. I was screaming. I was like, guys, guys, there's something, you know, it, it may be good, maybe bad, but yeah. at least we can experience it. Uh, so I sat down. My father was on my left side. My mother was on my right. And they're just holding me ready to to console their their crying child who's been looking forward to Harvard for years and and wouldn't get in. You know, it's it's we expected just to reject rejection to be safe. Yeah. And uh, when I opened that and it was just in bold letters, congratulations. Yeah. And one exclamation point. That was it. The first letter. Congratulations. Me and my parents, we cried for about 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to I'm cry like, now, right? I'm, I'm thinking about my years and I'm looking at you and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, we were, we were wailing. My brother came upstairs and was like, what are you guys, what are you guys crying about? And, yeah. and we just, you know, I have a voicemail. I called my mentor actually, um, yeah. Alex Weingart. Shout out if you're there, but nice. uh, he's been mentoring me. We're part of the same leadership foundation across the Massachusetts, the whole state. And uh, he's been my mentor for two years now, but I called him and left him a voicemail and I wanted to just say, Hey, I got in. And all it was is, (laughs) I think he probably interpreted it. Oh yeah. (laughs) Cause you probably wouldn't call right away with with all that gibberish (laughs) if it had been a rejection. Oh yeah. But it wasn't a rejection. No. You know, you know what I, and I want to add something here for my audience for the moment. When I, Recently, I've been talking about the coin. You can flip the coin and then call heads or tails. And heads is where, in this um, dialogue or this conversation, heads is where things happen. Tails, well, you know what comes out of the tail, right? So you got a positive and you got a negative on either side. So when you look at your, at your scenario, you go, 
I'm going to see the good in everything I possibly can. And I'm going to work towards the good, knowing that it might not go right. But here's the other thing. What if it does? Exactly. What if it does? Everyone called me crazy, actually, in the application process. Um, So one of the things that Ivy Leagues, they do differently is uh, they have this thing called restrictive early action. I know I may not be making sense, but they restrict you to only apply to them if you want to apply early. Yeah. So the benefit of applying early is that you're you're you're. eligible for merit scholarships yeah, um, and you get to find out early and usually the majority of the applicants get put in the early action pool. That's what, that's how they're accepted. Right. And you could have applied to all your state schools, all your local schools, every, all your middle range, you know, all of them in early action, or you could apply to one school, Harvard, Wow, and put all your eggs in that basket and send it off and then lose all those other opportunities, you know? Um, and that was the choice I made and it was a tough choice, but you know, I, I thought it was worth it again, yeah. flip the coin, call heads, you know, yeah, why not? Exactly. You know, instead of, Oh my God, I'm afraid that it does, it's not going to happen. So you quit in advance. It's like, someone's going to get into Harvard. Why not you? Yeah. I'm sure that's what you were thinking outside of the fact that I've put in the time, Yeah, but there's probably some other kid across the nation who's having the same conversation on his podcast somewhere. Someone else is going, man, you got in and now it's time to rock and roll. I think there's only one Dr. P though. So I don't know if it'll be the Thank same, you, buddy. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I don't know if that's good or bad, but I am definitely a, a creature of crazy habit boy. Mix of the both, yeah. <laughs> I think of the fun times that we had as a kid and all those were just wonderful pieces. And, you know, having you come back today, I, I don't feel like you're you know, and you've been out doing your thing, but seeing you around town and, and then understanding one thing is that you had the emotional intelligence to carry it through forever and your ability to handle people and to, to communicate is exceptional. There's not a lot of people in your age bracket who have that. So whether Harvard is the, is the lucky one, not you, they're going to get somebody who can communicate, who's driven, who's compassionate. All those things come together. That's a winning attitude right there, brother. I and appreciate you, that. You're going to change lives. You That's know, the hope one day. And, and not just because you're going to Harvard. I'm not just picking you and saying, I want to have Mikey on because he went to Harvard. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And I want to draw attention to it because you should share it with the world. But I don't care if you are going to the school of hard knocks like you've already been going to, right? Mm-hmm. You figure it out. Yeah. And sometimes you had to give up some sacrifices, you had to give up a little bit of your, your athletic background in order to solidify your academics, I assume, right? And your work. Mm-hmm. You've been working for how long? Ever since I turned 14, the day I, the day I turned 14, I, I contacted a local restaurant on Main Street Hudson, uh, Railtro yeah. Flatbread Company, yeah. and I just said, hey, I want to work. I'm eligible. I got my application all submitted. Massachusetts says it's okay. I want to start working, right. and I've been working nonstop ever since. Yeah, that's great. And you know, that's, that's the thing we need to have. We need a work ethic. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's inbred. Do you find that you that was you talked about your dad and how cool that was yeah. to watch him and you know and your family support you? But your dad's work ethic is you know unparalleled. Is yeah. that something you drew from him as well? Oh yeah, I mean I've visited him on job sites throughout the years. Ever since I was a little kid, you know he's been working three jobs forever now. Yeah, he owns his own real estate company with my mother. They own their own construction company, and he's a lieutenant on the fire department in Marlboro. <laughs> he's a busy man. Yeah, I yeah. mean I, I see him out working more than I do in the house. But you know, kudos to him. He's yeah. he's out there and he's getting getting the money. He's working hard and he's doing his he's doing his job. Yeah, and you saw him go through what he went through, and you're you're. I'm not saying you're following exactly what he did, but you're following the same ideology. Yeah, you don't get anything unless you go to work for it. Exactly. Unfortunately, in the world today, they're like, oh, we'll give it to everybody for free. 
And you're like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> By the way, do you want free stuff or do you want to work for it? Oh, no, I'll never take free stuff. You know, if you take something for free, it may feel great in the moment. But then when you look back at it, you know, it, there's no value there. Yeah. You didn't you didn't earn it. And you're not going to treat it as if it's a, a valued possession and anything like that. You know, any gifts or anything. Yeah, they're great yeah. in the moment. But yeah, I mean, it's nice if I just handed you 300 bucks right now. You'd be like, thanks, Doc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. But I'm certainly not going to give you money for your rent because yeah. you can make it on your own. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's not that hard nowadays just to just to find a part time job, you know, put in the hours. And yeah. And then, you know, I'm sure you already learned this because I know this about you is that when you're out working and you're you know, dealing with people and, and you're, you're a good person, you're compassionate, but you're professional. People don't forget your name. Yeah. You know, and then you never know who you're speaking to because, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. And um, my brother was working at um, uh, BJ's. Oh, was it BJ's? No, uh, Walmart over at. Oh my God, I remember. it's one of the two. It was, yeah. it was over in Westboro and it's now gone. But a man walked in with a couple of dogs, bird dogs, and a pair of overalls. And he was looking for a hotel. And they sent him to the 920 Motel. For those of you who don't live in my area, that's just kind of the Roach Motel. <laughs> just a little nothing. But he was in a pickup truck, a couple of dogs, no big deal. Who was he? Sam Walton. And he is the man who is Walmart, who is, he's everything. Mm -hmm. And he was a multi-bazillionaire walking in in these grubby old clothes and a couple of dogs and a little pickup truck. You never know who you're speaking with, you exactly. know? And does it even matter, right? No. How about just be nice to humans, you know? And so what? If, they're not, if they haven't achieved anything in life, well, then shower them with a little affection and maybe they'll get off their butt and make something happen. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, nowadays it's just so much hate in the world and it's just so sad to see. It's painful, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I had to sit and think about hate the other, about a week ago, I was sitting around thinking of hate and I'm like, you know, I think I've used that word more often than not, hate. And in this environment that we're in, I'm like, why am I using that word? And then I did the worst thing ever. I started hating other humans. And then I thought to myself, why do I hate that human? I don't even know who they are. Yeah. I, I look at it this way though. What I've come to learn is that I don't hate people. But I, I can hate their choices. I can hate, not their choices. I can hate their behavior in the moment when they bully me or when they try to embarrass me. Yeah. I don't hate you because you probably are doing that because you're screwed up anyway. But I hate your behavior. So I decided to do this, that when I use the word hate, and I want everybody at home to try this at home. If you use the word hate during the day, you have to stop pick up your phone, text somebody, call somebody or somebody in that room that's appropriate and tell them how much you love them. <laughs> oh man, you'll stop saying hey quick when you got to tell the world you love them, right? It's like, I pick up the phone, Angelina, what's up? She goes, hey dad, what's up? Nothing, I love you. She's like, oh, you're saying hate again, huh? <laughs> but the brain's moldable and that's pretty cool. Yeah. So tell me what, I think you told me you were double majoring. Well, what's yeah. going to happen there? Tell me about that. Yeah, so I'm looking at double, con it's called concentration, same thing, basically. Yeah. Uh, my, my main focus is going to be mathematics, but again, I'm going to have a secondary concentration in economics. And okay. that's the hope. We don't, choose until the end of first year, which yeah. I mean, makes sense, you know, yeah. cause you get in there and get your feet wet and oh, yeah. there's a lot of departments, a lot of people, there's a lot there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. My, my nephew is uh, he's a graduate student there and um, loves it. Yeah. Um, and he's done very, very well. He's a lot like yourself, just driven and he made it happen and he did it on his own merit. I mean, you're, when I say you're nobody's son, I know you're Mike's son, but you're not a senator's son or yeah. somebody like that. You, you, you pretty much earned this position. So if you look at the acceptance rate for Harvard, what is it, like 4%, 5%? Yeah, just under 5%. Under 5%. Four, yeah. And then you can cut 4% of that out and call it 1% because the 4% are all privileged from some way. Yeah, legacies and yeah, stuff like that. all that. Donors. So you're, you're the top 1% of 
4%. <laughs> you're on the top. Yeah. But you still got a long way to go, but I'm sure you're going to make it. So tell me about what happens now in school. So you, your mind is thinking, okay, I'm going in, I'm going to be in mathematics and economics. Where do you think that just might bring you in the future? What, what kind of, how will you apply that? Like in employment and, yeah. and, and influence? So the first thing I'm actually looking at right now is a Air Force ROTC program at, at school. Wow. Um, so that would be a four-year program where I'm in school doing training exercises with them. And then following graduation uh, in 2025, I would be enlisted as an officer in the military Air yeah. Force. Go to the OCS. Uh, for, yeah, for four years. Kind of pay it back, you know, one year for one year. Yeah. Um, it's not confirmed yet. I just submitted my application uh the 14th actually so a couple days ago right. um, but I'm going to hear back from them and hopefully we can kind of work something out where I can I can take part in that but that's the first step kind yeah. of yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're expecting that it's probably going to be affirmative if Harvard said yes and you're all that you are it's pretty probable that the United States military would love to have you as an officer if they could persuade you to stay forever that's the hope yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens yeah. so do you do you think you'll be a military man in the long run I don't know in the long run. I've never been someone who, who kind of just settles for one thing. Cause I always, I mean, I'm very comfortable with, with who I am, where I am, yeah. but I always look and see, you know what, what, what else can I do? Just kind of keep paving away and, and see where else life can leave you. Right. Just cause we only have a limited time on this earth, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't want to, I mean, not say waste it all, but you don't want to spend the whole time doing just the same thing over and over again. Well, there's a words of wisdom right there. Yeah, listen, do you want to take over this podcast and just, it's the new inspirational podcast by Mikey. I'm telling you, you're hitting the nail on the head. I've been really thinking about my own life going forward. And, you know, I'm 56 now and you're a young man at 18 and you go, okay, well, what's the difference between us? Not much. We're both driven. We both got great families and you're going to take your path. I'm going to take mine. We're going to continue on. And I'm like, wow, I can't wait really for tomorrow to figure something else out. But I'm think like you, why put so much time into one single basket that you miss the color mm-hmm. of everything that's actually around you? So do you think that you, I think you'll probably wind up in a high earning position at some point too. Is that something that is in the back of your head that you want to be a high earner and be able to do something good with what you what you create? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely, you know, following whether I'm in the military or not, I want to work in business for a little bit, you know, managing stock portfolios and investment analysis and stuff like that. Just finance stuff, you know, using mathematics and economics in my background, just kind of getting my feet wet in the business world and seeing where that takes me. You know, maybe I'll end up on Wall Street one day in New York City or maybe I'll end up being CFO for a company one day. You know, it's just I'm just taking it one step at a time. And for so long, the end goal has been, you know, maybe I'll go to Harvard and that's just been the end of it. Right. But now I'm, I'm there and I open the door and there's just a million different possibilities and I'm just kind of looking at them all and writing down notes and, and just yeah. kind of taking it one step at a time. Does it overwhelm you at all or are you just really living in the moment, taking one step at a time or maybe yeah. both? I don't know. I, I wouldn't call it overwhelming. I mean, the feeling is overwhelming yeah. just that, you know, it's, I'm excited. I'm, you know, looking forward to everything, but the opportunities, it's one of those things where if you just kind of got to, again, take it one step at a time and make sure you're planning out your decisions accordingly. You don't want to jump into the first thing that comes your way and then end up regretting it later. Right. And you'll have a ton of opportunity, obviously. And it's funny, we're having this conversation today, but after your first year, you'll be back here sitting in that chair and I'll be like, so what's it look like now? You're like, Doc, it looks 100% different than it did before. <laughs> but that's okay, right? Yeah. It's just take it one day at a time, see what's coming down the line and, and then make it happen. So um, let me ask you this. In the future, 
do you plan on kind of moving into the direction of your parents being somebody that has his own family at some point and maybe your own, you know, your own kids, where will you live? What, what's your head saying to you? Yeah. I mean, in my, you know what I mean? In my heart, I'm thinking, what else are you here for if you're not going to, you know, start a family and kind of leave behind that legacy. And, and some people make the choice it's not best for them or they yeah. can't or for some reason. Yeah. Um, but that's just always been kind of, you know, a goal in life is to start a family and raise them. And I would, I don't think I would want to do that while I'm like actively in the city, you know, running right. a company or something yeah. like that. I would want to be there for them. So it would probably be a little later in life that I would be doing that. But right. When it's time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and things do happen with their own time. We never, we, we try to, you know, bend life and light the way we want, but we're not that strong. Yeah. You just get in there and you go for it. And, you know, if the future is for you to have your family, I, I hope it is for sure, because you are right. There is nothing greater. I'm sure your dad and mom right now are like, are you kidding me? This is, you've given them a gift, obviously, that uh, is going to last forever. I mean, you are the gift, but what you're becoming is, is pretty cool. And I have two at home that are equally going to be just having a great influence on the world today. And I, I'm, I couldn't be any happier. I'm already primed for the happiness while I'm helping, you know, not helping, but I'm just help guiding my son into his direction for post uh, high school and grad yeah. and getting into college. And my daughter is a complete and utter stud. She's, um, <laughs> she's like right next to you when it comes to, she's brilliant. She's driven. She's focused. She's organized. I'm like, holy crud. You know what? She did the same thing you did. She went out and got an application at 14 wow. up at Market Basket on her own. And they made her a manager of the front. Uh, checkout area. Wow. I'm like, you got, you're 14 years old. I'm like, wow. And it's kind of <laughs> nice to watch, you know, and she was a little goofball in this house too. Oh, yeah. You guys were all playing in here. I remember. Yeah. And I just keep watching and I'm like, look at these young kids and they're doing great. And one of the common themes is, is that you've been watching adults, meaning parents work together, become a team and overcome obstacles. And this is what you're all about. Yeah. Isn't it, right? Overcoming obstacles, yeah. So I'm going to ask you, and I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway, so someone else is going to hear it home. Are you a problem solver or are you a problem creator? Well, you're a problem solver, I assume, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and in the biggest type, too, because I, I've never known you to really run from anything. Even when I was coaching you in football, I'm like, Mikey, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? I want you to kill that guy. All right, next play, it's just killing people, right? I can take, you know, not, not I don't say criticism, I can take um, uh, direction and then go with it. I, yeah. I, I find that from you, but pretty soon you're going to be the guy who's teaching somebody else. And is that something that you've been thinking about at all as well as bringing the next generation and pulling them with you as you become more successful? Is that what you're looking for? Are you looking forward and backward at the same time or are you just 100% straight ahead? No, I, I mean, I think it's a little, I don't want to say naive, but just to look in one direction, you know, yeah. you're going to be missing everything else that's going on around you. So you always have to be looking in 360, you know, um, but as I move forward again, like I said, mentorship is, is one of the most important parts of my life. You know, yeah. I've, I've been mentored and I look forward to, to mentoring other, other students in the future. And it's just kind of giving back, you know, you get a little in life, you give a little and it, it all works out in the end, in yeah. my opinion. Tell me a little bit about your, your mentor. Um, it's always nice for mentors to hear from from those that are mentored, uh, what they think about them and what impact they've had. And I'm sure he's heard it, but I want to hear it. And if he listens, he'll hear it too. So give me an indication of what that's like when you work with him. Yeah. So his name is Alex um, and I've been working for him again for two or three years now. Um, and we met uh, through the Massachusetts Youth Leadership Foundation. Nice. Um, and they hold a conference uh, for sophomore students. So I went to the conference and then after they said, hey, do you want a mentor? And I was like, you know, 
yeah, why not? I'll take one. Yeah. And I had made friends with the person who was running the program. So he's like, I'm going to hook you up with the best guy there is. Yeah. And he sent me an email a little later on and here it was Alex. And yeah. I wanted to be uh, in neuroscience at that point in my life. You know, right. I, I would always wanted to go medical and it was more out of fascination than it was anything else. It wasn't really practical for me. You know, I'm, right. I'm not really great with my hands or anything like that, yeah. but it was just a, a fascination with the science and, and Alex is in neuroscience as well. I think he's doing uh, research in uh, Tennessee right now with nice. St. Jude's. Nice. Yeah. He's just, I mean, he's as driven as it gets. He's mentored two students before me. I'm the third and he's three for three with uh, Harvard acceptances. Oh, that's great. I was worried I was going to break his streak, but he, you know, <laughs> no such luck. he told me, he said, you know, Mike, I wanted to ask him, I was like, how were your other mentor mentees before me? Yeah. And he's like, you know, you're the one who I, I have to talk to the most. And he's like, you text me at random times and check in with me. And he goes, but I, but you know, you're like my little brother. So yeah, but it's good. Yeah. How old is Alex? I believe he's early twenties. I want to say 24. Nice. So he's, he's a little older than you. So he's got a little bit more perspective because he's yeah. been out there, but he can also connect with you that much easier because you guys are really of the same generation, so to speak. He's just yeah. on the higher end of it and you're, you're pulling up the rear, which is pretty cool. Do you think you're going to wind up moving from this area? I mean, I, I would, I, Hudson's so small, right? <laughs> you don't say. Uh, it's only <laughs> how many, 19,000 people or it so. Is. Yeah. I, and I, I do see people, you know, grow up in Hudson move out a little bit for college and come right back and settle down. And I just don't think that's for me, to be honest with you. I mean, it's just too small for me in, in general. Are you an ocean guy? No. So you're a mountain guy? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, that leaves you a few options, doesn't it? Hmm. Well, let me tell you this. When you get that beautiful home in the carriage house, I'll be happy to show up there. <laughs> I'll do whatever I have to. I'll wash your toilets, whatever. <laughs> well, then again, you might be with me in Italy. You just never know. Yeah. Things can change in a dime, can't they? <clears throat> so things are changing on a dime in America today. And a lot of people are really feeling the heavy pressure of our basic, I don't even know what you call it. Uh, the pulse of America today is all over the place. Has it been any, any of that negatively affected you personally? Not personally. I mean, you know, yeah, actually I will, I will say it's a little personal sometimes. It's just the connections you make with people. You know, you get to know people for years, you know, your friends, you text all the time, you call, yeah. but, but if there's a political difference nowadays, suddenly, you, you know, you try to call that person and they don't want to talk to you anymore, you know, right. just because of politics. And, and I don't try and let that get, you know, involved with the people I talk to, my friends, my social yeah. circle, but still it happens. People take things really seriously nowadays and, and they let that affect their relationships. And it's kind of sad to see. Yeah. We're very, obviously we're very divided in America yeah. and I'm going to leave the, the political peace out just that that's where we are and it's hard for young kids today and it happened fast didn't it mm -hmm. i mean this whole thing began when you were probably 16 and a half 17 at least you know it became more of a um it was in our face so yeah. to speak and now it's wow and i'm seeing a lot of the young kids today that are really having a hard time with it you see i've had 56 years of life so i can draw on a lot of experience to keep pulling me along and feeling good but I look at your young generation, I'm like, son of a biscuit, you guys are, I mean, your senior year was hijacked. Uh, it's been really tough. Yeah. They just announced that we're going to be remote for another week. I just saw that. Yeah. I, I, you know, sometimes I scratch my head. I'm like, oh, a kid tested positive. <laughs> we're going to do this for 10 years if we shut the school down because 
a kid test positive. That's, you know, that's going to happen with every, I always say that, you know, with every rose, there's thorns. You're going to have to deal with it one way or another. And it's going to need great leadership in order to help rebuild our country. If, you know, I I say if, I hope it's rebuildable, but right now it looks yuck. And I'm just worried about all the kids who've been out of school for so long. You know, they tell us to, to stay home and stay within our, our circle, you know, at our house. Yeah. But what's that doing to our bodies right now? You know, we're not interacting with people. There's no, you know, natural spread of germs. You know, we're, we're sanitizing our hands so much. Is that going to kill our immune system? Like, what's going it is. on? It is. It's causing sickness. Now you kind of jump to the neuroscience stuff. You get to my world and you go, I see people now that are... I, I don't know if it's a blessing or what, but I enjoy examining people. I enjoy probably a little bit like you in mathematics. I like looking at brain and going, what's happening in this that I could see the algorithm of the brain and whether it's mathematics or brain, I look at it and go, what am I seeing here? What am I missing? Or what, what am I viewing? What's happening right now? I love that. But now it's like, holy mother of goodness and people are really stressing emotionally so the emotional brain is hijacking the hormone physiology that's messing up the body i'm like i see people that patients of mine that have been with me for a number of years and now they're exhibiting a lot of cognitive deficit and decline and i'm looking at brain scans and things going people in the 70 year old bracket who wear a mask who are stuck at home and they can't go out well they're getting hammered now of course i understand they've I don't want anybody to get hammered, but they've been here a long time, right? But I look at your young generation and I go, the damage, or should I say the plastic changes to your brain, secondary to the emotional stress you're going under, that's a, that can be a lifetime of damage going mm-hmm. forward. There's plenty of studies out of like the, um, uh, the offspring of those that were in the Holocaust in Amsterdam back in the days when the Germans had come in and they starved everybody. While they were starving people and they were stressed out, those children of those parents, even the unborn, had a lifetime of sickness and disease and tons of different genetic issues that were associated with the traumas that they had had before. I mean, as if trauma isn't in every family to begin with, right? I, I shouldn't say every family, but a lot of families deal with trauma, emotional traumas and stuff. Now let's throw this on top of it. Holy crud, man. Yeah. It's just crazy. So <clears throat> when you go off to Harvard, have you toured the campus already? So unfortunately, I haven't been able to formally tour it. Um, I visited there this past summer, you know, when things were closed down, we had to walk around with masks on. We couldn't really see anything too, too good. But I've been up there twice since I heard I got in. And again, there's still no formal tours. I can't really see the buildings or anything, but I'm just walking around, you know, Harvard Square. There's so many things to go do and see. There's so many shops and and stuff like that. I got a feeling you're going to forget about Hudson Mass. (laughs) I like to think I was going to too, but here I am. I'm back where... And then, but it's good. I, yeah. you know, I do love Hudson Mass. And I, unfortunately, I don't like that rotary downtown too much. But uh, oh goodness, it is what it is. So you're going to be living on campus, I would assume. Yeah, so I'm going to be living in Cambridge. So do you, when you're there, do you have like roommates and stuff? Because you're living in the Harvard, in the university, as opposed to having your own off-campus housing? Yes. Yeah. So what does that look like? You got a single roommate? Yeah, so we don't get to choose our roommates. Um, no. They just kind of, I don't know how they assign it, whether it's by major, just by a last name, by something. Um, but after, you know, your first year or two, you get to pick a house to live in. You know, okay. they have the different houses um, and that's more, you know, your own choice. You can choose where you go and where Who you, you want to be with. Yeah. Is it is it a single roommate for you? I think the first few years it is, yeah. um, but I'm not too positive on that. 
I wonder if it's still, uh, I don't know if I can say this word anymore, gender appropriate. <laughs> Do you put a boy and a girl in the same room? Obviously not, right? No. You wouldn't think so, but I, who knows in this environment, you know, if I get to choose that I'm something else and all of a sudden I wind up in a room, it's, Well, even how do you, how do you even dictate that now that there, I mean, there, you know, there's a spectrum, right? So, so where, where does that alignment go? Is it, is it boy with boy and girl and then you have have to go somewhere in the middle and start sorting that out? It just gets so complicated. It's so muddy that, you know, you you don't know what's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I just got a a thing from the high school today that, you know, uh, Hudson's colors are red and white and the caps and gowns have always been that way. White is for the female and red was for the male. And now we have red for everybody. Yes. You know, know, whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, that's the important message you gave me today. (laughs) Give me something more, man. Tell me something about the academics. That's really the most important Uh, thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not their main focus. No. I think that's that's what's happening today is that we're kind of missing that piece where, you know, we were built on a foundation of education and fairness um, that's disappeared. Yeah. And it's no specific school system even. I mean, it's just public schools across the nation. They're taught, you know, they don't, they have so many kids. Right. Yeah. And now part of the school goes to trade schools and part of them go to the private schools, the charter schools. So the the public Hudson High School, I mean, just public high school system in general. Yeah. They have to deal with a, a certain mass and, and, you know, the way they train their teachers, their faculty, their administration is to get a cookie cutter system and just start crunching out, you know, BC students and get them to local state universities. And that's what they do. And when you have a kid who's, you know, struggling a little bit more or excelling a little bit more, sometimes, it, you, you know, you really do feel like they're trying to force you into this one direction and you just got to break through and just say, no, I'm going to do my own thing. You know, right. you guys can do your own thing. I'm going to make my own path. And if it's, it's going to be a little hard. Right. So um, they don't have uh, set dual enrollment kind of at, at Hudson High School. Right. They have some courses for English and stuff like that. But I had skipped a math course um, after ninth grade year. I did one on my own over the summer yeah. and I didn't have any guidance on it. And it was tough. You know, I talked to the curriculum director and I was like, hey, I'm bored. I want to, you know, get wanna a, do more. Get, yeah, I want to do more. And, and they they were like, no. <laughs> that was their first answer. <laughs> That's weird, huh? And so uh, the curriculum director was new there, Mr. Niddle. He's awesome. He yeah. is just great. You know, he cares about student learning and passion and stuff like that. Yeah. So he sat down. He goes, you know, I'm going to take all your grades from fourth grade till now. They went back to fourth grade MCAS. Wow. They took everything and they trotted it on graphs. They showed, you know, if he does this, he can go there. Every teacher in the school had to vote on it just to let me just skip one course and do it over the summer by myself. Oh my gosh. And and he really was like, you know, I'm going out on the limb. They said, yes, they were just sick and tired of me asking. So right. here you go. Here's your stuff. Do it. I went back in the August after the summer. I got a 96 on the final. Nice, right? Skip the class. You're like, okay. And by the way, there are people like yourself who are committed to the, yeah. to the challenge and can make it. But in our new environment, you are not able to stand out. Yeah, it, it's imp- they don't want you to. Right. They want everyone to wear the same red color cap and gown. That's right. And then when we indoctrinate ourselves with this new policy, you know, I look at you and I go, you have the potential, like anybody, but you're exhibiting your potential to amass a lot of wealth in your lifetime. But unless you make enough to be at the upper elite 0.001%, your wealth is going to be distributed to a bunch of people who don't go to school and don't work and don't do anything. And I'm like, what is that? We're going to make everybody equal. What kind of country is that where everybody is the same? Number one, yuck. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I want diversity. I'm like, 
okay. So if you want diversity, then they should have given you the opportunity to study and skip a course and move beyond. Go do something different yeah. and be exciting. But you know, and I'm, and I'm saddened because this is me from talking from my perch. I'm like, I lived what you're already gone through and I excelled at what I did. And I, I would hate to be a young person today to find out that the rules of the game have changed. It's not about learning and becoming amazing and doing great things. It's about doing what you're told. It always is. You know, it's it starts young, too. You know, and now all the little kids, they go to their sports tournaments as a young age and they all come home with the trophy. Trophy. Yeah. They all get the medals and they all have yeah. the pictures. I mean, my son and you played ball together. You probably have a bunch of trophies from back in those days. I threw them all out. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I was going to say you should just wind up because yeah. it really don't. I mean, I, I know it's great when you get a trophy, oh, yeah. but there's nothing like it when you earn it. I mean, when you earn it and you know you own it, it's yours and you and you created it. That's the thing that gets you going the next day. Because if you just keep getting trophies and you get a bunch of medals, they don't really mean anything. So you throw it on the, up on the uh, you know on the shelf and there it sits. But when you have something that you treasure because you put all your marbles into it, it's like holy moly, that is awesome. Yeah. And I hate to see it go, but you know I'm looking at someone like yourself and I'm like, I'm. I'm totally optimistic about your future, but I'm not optimistic about the environment that you're going to be in that you want to navigate through. But of course, I know you'll you'll do everything you can to crush it. But the weight of our new society and what's going on is going to be one hell of a challenge and it's going to need leaders. And therefore, I'm like, I'm a little selfish. I'm like, Mikey, save me, please. <laughs> please, you and all the people that you become passionate with and you, you share all your ideas, don't ever let this crazy wave of garbage that's going on right now affect what you want to do with your life. Because we need people like you to step up and make it happen. Without you, we're cooked. America is built always on the new generations to come. And your generation, you know, I hate that fact. They're all snowflakes. You get under a little pressure. Give me a break. I'm not going to broad brush the whole youth movement. Come mm -hmm. on. I got people like yourself. I had Kevin G on just uh, um, maybe a month ago. Another young man who's making it happen. I'm like, I, I see these young people and I go, you guys have everything you need to get there. Just be careful that they don't try to rope you in and beat you down because you're not the right skin color. You're not the right gender. You don't have the right ideas. Forget that and stick to your guns, man, and go for it. Because, I mean, what would you rather do? Battle as a free man or live forever as a kept man? Battle all day long. I'm with you, brother. That's part of the reason I couldn't wait to talk to you, because you are a battler. You're somebody who's faced at least a lot of different facets of things that have come down, whether it's school, whether it's discrimination, like you just told me. With, yeah. with You just find a way. It's just like, wow, holy crap. I remember when you talked about, it made me emotional to think that you went up and you were telling your mom and your dad about, you know, here it is. It's my moment. Yeah. And anybody that's had that moment before can understand it. And I remember that the, the day that I got my, I got a letter, you know, I didn't have the beauty of the stuff that you had today, but I had a letter and I got it and it was in a book and I didn't want to look at it. And I was really nervous and I went to school because it was time and I went in the bathroom and I opened it up in the bathroom and I, you know, I was applying to WPI. Mm -hmm. And then when I opened it up, it <clears> said, uh, congratulations, Mr. Percoco. And I was like, wait, what? I was sitting at, I know it's a little TMI, yeah. but I'm at the urinal, right? I'm taking a leak and the thing is sitting right there. I can still see myself looking at it going, yeah. wait, this is for my father. 
Then I'm like, they addressed it to the wrong guy. And then I thought about it. Wait, they addressed it to Mr. Prococo. That's me. Yeah. And in the first moment I felt, I don't know if you felt this way, so I'm going to ask you anyway, and I'll tell you what I felt. Maybe you did. The minute I looked at it and I felt as though this is it, everything around me realized everything that I've already done is for this moment right now. And this is your moment. In that moment, it was my moment, which meant there was no Mr. Prococo on there. There was no Mike Peckham Sr. on there. I mean, the, my father, your father, we love them. They put us there. Yeah. But in that moment, it's <clears throat> now that Mikey Peckham has showed up. You're the man now. It's time to rock and roll and, and make it happen. Did you get that sense when you saw that, that you are, I'm not saying say you're valid, you're always valid, but mm -hmm. right now you're an adult, you're rocking and rolling and you earned every damn bit of that on your own. Yeah, I think that was the first, you know, getting accepted into college for many people. That's the first time that you're recognized for things that you've worked for the past 12 years. Yeah. And that's got to be, I mean, I, I know it. So I, I got yeah. emotional with you. It's just like, what a feeling, right? And what's, you know, like you say, what's next? Well, we'll see, right? We got to live one day at a time, plan for our future, but live passionately within the family, within the life that we have now. And, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. It's so exciting. And I thought... And Lisa said to me, you gonna have Mikey on? I go, absolutely. I go, think about this. Mike's starting his life right now, starting his, his adult life right now at 18. And for every little step of the way, we've got it first chronicled, don't yes, we? Yes, sir. It's down on paper, <laughs> or not on paper, it's down on, on audio. Then I had my mom on the other day, 93, I 92 and a half, did yeah, you see it? I saw it. Right? So I look at her and I go, holy crap, there's this woman who's 92 and a half years old, and we're talking to her at the end of her journey, and we're talking to you at the beginning of your journey, and I'm somewhere in the middle. It's like, this is really cool. Like, I, I like I know I'm 56, you're 18, right? Yeah, just turned 18 four days ago. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you very much. So at, at 18 and 56, the difference between us is so small, but the things that we're most alike, there's so many of them. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. So you could look at whether it's gender, whether it's culture, whether it's age, there's way more that unites us than that which separates us. And you said that four letter word early on, that's the one polarizing word that's being spewed everywhere in America, which is the defining thing that makes us all so separate. We hate each other, so we move away from each other. And it's like, when are we gonna come back together again? I, I, I just can't see it. I mean, I don't even know. Do you, in your mind, just for the hell of it. Can you think and see that this is going to be different anytime soon? I think it's going to be at least eight years. You really? Yeah. You're a numbers guy, so I'm going to listen to you. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, four to eight years, unfortunately. I think we're going to see a lot of division in the next, you know, I mean, it's even just not even presidents, just social cycle. You right. know, there's so many people right now and not, and not even to just call them out, but there are so many groups right now just fighting for their place. Right. You know, there's the blue lives movement. There's the black lives movement. There's the gender movement. There's the women's movement. There's LGBTQ. Yeah. yeah all of it. Yeah. Everything. And, and, there are so many people who are just fighting for the news. They're just going out. And, and sometimes it's it's going to be they're going after each other. Right. And they just want, you know, they want their cause put forward. But, you know, there's only so much airtime. There's only so many amendments that can be passed. And it, right. it takes time to have these things happen. But they're all going after it right now. And they're trying to get their, their movement heard and get it out there on the news. And it's going to be a while before we see groups kind of calm down and be like, okay. 
we're all we're all here now. We can kind of sit can, down. We can have a, a conversation. Yeah, because we're missing that piece. Yeah, and it, you know, I say we can. All, let's all come to the table. But they're still down the hall. They're trying to get there. They're yeah. you know they feel like they're being pulled back. And I'm like, hey, just let go of all the pressure. Right. Sit down and let's all talk. You know, when when Congress shook the foundations of America, I don't think they were quite. I still don't think, I mean, I think they're full of baloney, but I think that they're not paying attention to how much dust has to settle after you shake this building like this. And who's getting dusty? It's the average American like you and I who's sitting back going, holy moly, I'm getting hate, everything. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. I, 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 it stinks for anybody, whether it's somebody my age and my, my uh, you know, I'm a white man at 56. You know, there are plenty of black kids at 48 and 52 and Asians at 35. I mean, everybody seems so, we're labeled. Mm-hmm. I think we should all have a single label, American. It, it, I couldn't agree more. You know? I think that, I mean, even just politics, people wear their political party first. Yeah. And they put American underneath that. And I'm like, where is American? You know, yeah. where is America? It, it should be your first priority always yeah. is your country. You're here because you love it. It's a land of the free, you know? Yeah. And, and it should be that. It should be free. And I just, everything that we see nowadays coming up is people just want more constrictions, yeah. more limitations, you know, taking away rights. And, and it's, where, when's that going to end? And, and the thing is, it's it's a power play because we're not really seeing anything that's going to build America. You don't pull down all the statues of dead people and say, we're going to be better now. How's that going to make anything better? It's only going to anger people. And then you're picking stuff. Let's uh, let's pick on with the wind and get rid of it. Like, what? Yeah. I'm like, all right, maybe there's a small faction that thinks that's important. Okay. But it all of a sudden got its movement. It, it's in. It's fighting for it. Then they're going to fight for another thing, which is going to anger the next guy over here in the next group who's going to fight you back who's going to piss somebody off over here and there's no dialogue because who is not allowing us to watch what it looks like to dialogue? Our government. I mean, you watched your mom and dad and how they communicated throughout their life and so did I with mine. And did that, I didn't listen so much. Well, I was a teenager. I didn't listen much at all. But I watched what they did. And because I can watch it and I can see it, then I can understand that I want to behave the same way. So why would it not why would it not be that I just want to scream, piss, and moan and cause a whole bunch of mayhem? I'm like, I've been watching it in Washington for the last four years. Why do I not want to do that? Well, I don't want to because I'm an American and I don't care what they say. I'm not an Italian American. I'm not black American, African American. Listen, you can call yourself whatever you want. I just look at it and go, why can't we just all be Americans? If you put something on it and says, listen, I'm from a different tribe, well, isn't that the ultimate diversification? And that's what we're being taught, that diversity is good. Well, but diversity says that my skin tone offends you, so I'm going to end your life or end your career. I'm like, what? How about the merit? If nobody knew what you look like and you applied to Harvard, then all they'd have to go on is everything that Mike did. And that should be enough, right? And that's the problem is, is that's not how they do it. Right. You know, I talked to um, even this was before everything happened. I was back in 10th grade, 9th grade. You know, I just wanted to sit down with someone and, and ask about the college admissions process. So I had someone who, you know, she this is someone who gets paid to do this for a living. She sits down with kids and talks about their plan. We didn't go with her. You know, we didn't end up moving that path, you know. Yeah. Um, but I did want to talk to her a little bit, just see what it's like. And, and she said, you know, Mike, unfortunately, you're white. You're, you know, you come from a, a middle-class family, you live in a small town, you know, it's the American dream, but unfortunately that's going to hurt you. You yeah. know, you don't have, you don't have any sort of diversity about you 
And that's going to hurt your chances of getting into top colleges. And I was like, why? (laughs) Where does that play into it? And the biggest thing is, again, on the application, one of the first 10 questions they ask you is they ask you what your skin color is, what your ethnicity is, what your gender is. I mean, there's going to be political affiliation on there in the next couple of years. I can already see it coming. Oh, yeah. I mean, you probably will have no chance getting in if you don't check the right box for a political affiliation. And unfortunately, I'm in that 1.4 percent. You know, I mean, it's it's on camera here, but I'm conservative. I'm a Republican. You know, I'm proud to say it. But 1.4 percent of students who get accepted into Harvard every year are Republican. And that and we're just sneaking in. You know, yeah. we're just trying to we're just trying to get in there and yeah. and, you know, keep our heads down, work hard. I was going to say, you're going to have to keep your head down and just work. Yeah. And, you know, and kind of keep yourself to yourself. But you're going to have to learn how to play a game. And I think that's that's tough. I don't think I should have to be that way. I think you should be able to just be yourself and be everything you want to be and let the let the world notice that I'm an, I'm a decent guy. Yeah. I'm a decent guy. It doesn't matter what my color is, what my gender is. You know, I, I watched as uh, we waited to find out who the presidential, vice presidential candidate would be. And I'm thinking, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to pick somebody who would fit the role, who has experience and blah, 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 blah. And then we get this six week pre uh, message from the president elect that he's going to pick a, a woman and she's going to be black so we can diversify. I'm like, Okay, well, if she was a black woman and she was worthy of the job, I'm all for it. I ain't got no problem with that. But then you just told me that you eliminated everybody else. So what is that? So diversity in that way seems to be more like discrimination, which is really against what we're about in our country to begin with. Well, it should be anyway, right? I mean, I know it exists because humans are what they are. But generally speaking, the construct of America is the Constitution of the United States of America. And they take an oath to protect it. But now I have a feeling that they've taken an oath to change it. Uh, into something different and what that's going to become. I don't know. Have you ever played Monopoly before? Yep. You know, you start moving around the board and suddenly you see, uh, let's say Angelina, you know, your daughter. Yeah. She's getting more properties than you are. She's making more money. Yeah. Are you then allowed to say, hey, you know, rule number two in Monopoly on the check sheet. Can we just change that really quickly? Because yeah. it's it's going to benefit me in this game. You know, Angelina's not going to want to do that. You know, Lorenzo's not going to want to do that. You're so right. And I've heard that said so many, so many times that you can't just change the rules when yeah. it's not going your way. I mean, you're an academic and you're in a class and you're getting an 84 and you're like, what? No, I'm not going to. We don't have quizzes anymore because they're affecting me. How about you dig your heels in and you make it happen? Yeah. You pick yourself up and you keep going. You can't change the rules. I, I just don't get that. This, you know, and, and I'm not going to go any deeper into it. But when you just look at the way it's been puked on us, I'm like, all right, I'm having to deal with this. But it doesn't need to be like this. It's so simple, honestly, to, to be an American. If, it, if we go back to the Constitution, I get to say what I want and I don't want to hurt and I don't get to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't get to physically hurt somebody and then have, have some government officials say it's okay for me to do that. It's not okay to hurt somebody. Yeah. Those capital riots, they weren't good. No. Those were bad things. But it, you know, it's funny. Have you ever heard anybody ask the question, why did they actually, why did, why did it happen? Why, did, why was that? Instead, they looked at it and said, well, it happened and it was abhorrent and it is. And when you look at it and go, okay. And then you turned around and you told us what your interpretation is of why it happened. And I go, really? Go back to our original conversation. They're going to say that it was the president that said, go down there and rip it in half. But how about when you lock us down for eight to 10 or 12, I don't know how many months we have. I don't even have a calendar anymore. It's like, Mike, you're around? Want to come do a podcast? Yeah, I don't know what the hell day it is, right? I don't even know anymore. So you look at it and you go, well, where are we here? I mean, none of this makes... 
any sense that in this moment where we are in America that we've gotten to a place we can't talk to each other or we just we're lost again I'm like what the heck is going on I don't I just don't get it but when you look at that 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 general aspect of why did it happen well people are messed up they're frustrated they're now on alcohol and drugs trying to feel better they can't even see each other's faces so now we've become more bot like right we don't know each other anymore so we've lost that intimate emotional connection with other humans now it's not complete but it's enough that it's driving people cuckoo and then the idea of getting back to normalcy with the erroneous understanding that we could just go into the you know the capital and change it all that that certainly wasn't going to happen but you have to ask the question why do they do it I think they did it because they're stressed to the max and they're not going to be heard again. And they're afraid that their vote will never be counted appropriately. So what's left? I mean, what's the thing that they always told us as you, you growing up in me? The greatest thing you have in America is your freedom of speech and your ability to vote. And what are they taking first? Well, they're censoring us right now. So we're going to have to deal with that. And then our vote? Well, I don't think all of our votes were casted appropriately and were, were represented accurately. Just saying. And the censorship and the vote are actually one and the same problem. Mm-hmm. So here they are and they go, all right, now we're pissed. Again, I still disagree with what they did. But if you have kids in the future, you'll find out that your kid had a bad day and went cuckoo at school and came home upset and you had to go get him. And then you're like, I want to punish him. What? Why do you want to punish him? He's a good kid. Well, what happened? I don't know. Then you go home and find out that the dog died five days ago and he's struggling with an emotional concomitant associated with that. And there's his behavior. Get it? It's like, what is going on with the behavior of America? Well, just go take a look at what the people who are telling us what we have to do. Let's see if they're doing the same thing. And if they are, okay. Could you live in a world where if you were asked to do something, which was logical, and you, the person who asked you joined you and did the exact same thing. Could you be okay with that? Of course. Okay. How would you feel if, I already know the answer, I tell you what, I, what you need to do. Not need to do. I'm telling you that you must do this, but I'm not going to do it myself. Now do you feel like you're on the wrong side of the coin again? It, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, isn't it? You have to lead by example. It's one of the first things you learn if you learn anything about leadership. You know, I've been to a few leadership conferences. We talked about that a little bit. Yeah. First thing you learn, hey, lead by example. You're not leading a group of people. You are taking a group of people and bringing them together and then letting them kind of do the pushing. You know, as a leader, you're kind of facilitating. You're not even just, you know, you're not just dictating what's happening. You're facilitating the conversation and you're making sure that there are guidelines people are following. Yeah, but they're doing most of the pushing. You can't just tell them what to do and then turn around and do something different. That's just hypocrisy. It is, isn't it? And the leader tends to be the person who's in the front. The guy who's going to help get that giant weight moved has to be the guy, that person, the leader, has to be the guy up front. Yeah. Come on, let me show you how it works. And then people rally around that. But when you sit back and say, go do this, and if you don't get it right, there'll be punitive measures. What? How does that excite any? How does it bring anybody together? Have you ever seen that famous painting of George Washington with the American flag kneeling on the front of the ship and behind him are all the other ships with all the soldiers? He is the first one yes. carrying the flag, yeah. leading everyone forward. Yeah, the Battle of Trenton, right? Went across the Potomac and there he was. It was like, holy crap. It's such a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. I, I assume you probably know enough about uh, George Washington. What a total 
American. I mean, if you want American, that guy was it. You know, now he had slaves, he had this. Well, listen, you're wearing sneakers that are probably Skechers or Nikes or something. Years from now, that'll be an abominated company. Everybody will hate them and, and then you'll be in trouble for wearing them. I'm, I'm, look at these silly, goofy things. I don't even <laughs> They are. These were the times, the eras, and they weren't right, right? Some of those things were bad, but they're bad now, 200 years later. What will it be like in 30 years from now? And they look back and say, look what they were doing. You know, we don't know. It's like, but George Washington was an incredible man. Abraham Lincoln was an incredible man. And if you get it, I mean, uh, you probably have already studied them on some level, right? But when you really delve into who they were as people, as humans, and what their fears and what their anxieties were, when you read enough, it's pretty pretty amazing to see how certain people gave their lives so that we could be sitting here today. And we're planning on erasing it and then calling this nation something that it's not. It's a sick nation run by white supremacists and people are being prejudiciously hammered and discriminated for it. And I'm like, well, we know that exists. I don't care where you go in the world, but try to find another country as good as this one. Good luck. This is it. And mm-hmm. the question is, will it, will it, will it last? I, I don't know. I mean, what do they say about democracies? They got what, a 300 year lifespan and then they implode. And you look at America just as an intellect. And I know you are when you take and diversify the heck out of a country, and you purposefully try to diversify it, then you're going to make so many different factions that you're going to wind up with more difficulty in having them all kind of get together. The melting pot experience was pretty amazing. But right now, the pot overfloweth. And now what do you do? You better build a second pot so that we can all have room. But instead, we're getting choked out of it at the moment. But listen, not to be a total downer, but we do, you and I know that your generation and you, you're going to lead and you're going to have to, whether we like it or not, you're going to have to figure out how to navigate this difficult course so that you don't get canceled. And I don't want you or anyone, including myself, canceled. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. Keep living the American dream, right? Yeah. All the way. And what a tough term, canceled. Like, what? What is, where did that even come from just to cancel a person? I don't know. I, I'm sick when I think of it. I learned of it two years ago. I, you know, I do a lot of life coaching, like um, the friend you were talking about. And I really enjoy doing it. And I had this gal come in one day, and she was a young girl your age. And she said, I got canceled by my friends. And I didn't know what that meant. And I was like, what do you mean you got canceled? She's like, they came to me like in a big group and told me that I'm fat and I'm ugly and I'm all this. And they're canceling me and I'm out. And I'm like, what, is that a thing? She goes, yeah, it's a thing. Now I'm canceled. I'm canceled all around school too. She was in, just going the first year in college. I'm like, how does that happen? And who has the right to, why do you even want to do that? Do you have any cancel feelings in your body that you want to go cancel another human? No. I, I just don't think, I mean, even to consider just saying that, you know, it's, it, how can you determine that another person is not worthy of walking the same earth and having the same freedoms of speech as you are just because they did something one time or they made a mistake, they had a slip of the tongue. These things happen. Have you seen the whole thing with Jeopardy now? They're trying to fill uh, Alex Trebek's seat. Oh, I, haven't, I knew he passed, but I didn't hear about the, the replacement. Yeah, so this guy named Ken Jennings, he's oh, Ken, famous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, people just start digging, seeing what's up. And apparently one of his friends had posted some racial things and racist things many years ago, probably when he was 17, probably my age. Probably your age, yeah. Yeah, he was very young. And, and he had also, you know, he had supported him. He had said, you know, I, I understand that he said those things, but I stand by my friend. But because he stood by his friend, 
he's now considered canceled. Yeah. If people are trying to, and, and you know, it's, where does that end? You know, I, I understand that there are certain things that can't be tolerated, but right. once you go back, you know, 30 something, 40 years and someone, you know, had a mistake or they said, I mean, 30 years ago, people weren't, they, they didn't know what cell phones were. They didn't have them. Right. You know, now we carry on technology. so far beyond that now. Yeah. Everything's yeah. just changing so quickly. And of course they recognize that that was not, you know, proper, but you back, you go back 30 years, anything you said, do you think you could stand by it today? Ugh. I mean, I think when I was your age, oh my God, I'm lucky I'm not dead and in jail. But I learned so much from that era. It yeah. wasn't that I escaped it. I actually made choices that weren't good. And then I made some that were phenomenal. But I learned over time. You, you got to give somebody a little bit of latitude in order to be able to do that, right? They got to be able to make mistakes and be forgiven. But we just don't, we're not, we're not there now. That was it, Ariel Pink. Do you know that guy? He's no. a, I don't know him at all, but I was watching a... Um, uh, last night on Tucker Carlson, he interviewed this young man and he is a, an artist mm-hmm. and he went to the uh, Capitol uh, last week. I had actually, I apologize. I have seen so part of the that. story. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I, I, I didn't vote for the president. I really wasn't involved in that. I went back to my hotel and I went to sleep before any of that stuff. I didn't even know any of that, that violent stuff happened. I just went for a walk. Well, they knew that he was there and then his, he got canceled. Yeah. So, and he was emotional. He's like, I, I don't know if I can ever work in the industry again. They're, they're shutting me out. And then I'm looking and I'm watching and I'm like, it's, it's a strange thing where you have an elite group of people, whether they are elite or call themselves elite, and, and they're just picking on the rest of people below them. I'm like, that's that sucks. You know, I, I know that karma's a bitch, but I don't got a lot of time to wait for it. I don't want anybody to receive karma. What I want is to be happy. <laughs> I want to keep doing amazing things and not feel like I can't do that. You know, and even with my podcast, I'm like, hey, man, they could probably cancel my podcast if they want to, if I say the wrong thing. Whatever. You know, if you do, you do. But I felt so bad for that guy. Yeah, I was like, "Wow, that stinks." And you know, and you, you know, the music industry is is difficult enough. I mean, getting into Harvard's amazing, but making it through on the music industry and and making it a living where you can really do well, it's super hard to get in there. Then you're in there, and they go, "Nope, see you later." It was like Kurt Schilling? They took his uh, his life insurance policies away because he supported the president. Chris Pratt recently, uh, he he. It was, it wasn't even that he supported the president. He just didn't support the opposition. Yes. Everyone from the Avengers and the Marvel cinematic universe posted about Biden and Chris Pratt didn't. And suddenly everyone came to attack him and and they voted him the worst Chris in Hollywood because of this. (laughs) There was, there was a literal vote to determine him the worst Chris because it was Paul and everyone came to support him. They said all of his friends, Robert Downey Jr. They were like, no, no, no. Chris is a great guy. He just doesn't want to advocate for certain things. And we respect that. And then people said, oh, that's just white guys sticking up for each other. You're now canceled too. You're canceled. You're can And it's yeah. just so, once right you start, down the line. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. You know, <laughs> you just, you can't step out of line or you, you get risk of people just calling you out for it and not even just calling you out, but being rude about it. And again, hating you for it, you right. know, just sticking up for one of your buddies for, for doing what they believe in. Yeah. You know, this whole idea of we need to defund the police because they're bad. That's what they told us so long. But what did they tell us in the last 48 hours? The police were amazing at the uh, at the Capitol. We need our police. We love the Capitol. This is AOC. I'm like, wait, wait, aren't you, don't we have video of you just a year ago saying they're all, you know, racists that are murdering people? I'm like, that's a little weird. I'm like, that just flipped. 
and, and things flip constantly. You and I know this. This is just called politics. Yeah. I can, I can kind of live with that because I've lived with it for 56 years. I just can't live with how much teeth you've put into this and how much you're going to change. And, you know, whether it happens or whether it doesn't remains to be seen. But I am also a believer that if you tell me you're going to change America, you're going to do it. You know, we've seen them say it and they're doing it now. And I go, okay, but they're telling me that it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to continue to work, inspire, love my family, love people around me and do everything I can to, to live the American dream. And if it all falls apart, I'm leaving. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I hope it doesn't because I love, love, love America. You have dual citizenship, right, in Italy? I do, so I can go anytime I want. Now, that's not a threat, and I'm not yeah. telling the world I'm leaving, but I have options like yourself. You're going to create numbers of options for yourself that you may never even use them, or at least not in the next 10 or 20 years, but somewhere down the line you go, I'm going to move in this direction right now, whatever that be. And you know why? Because you're used to working. And you know that if you put in the time, the energy, and the effort, you make connections and tribes with other people that think like you, that want the best, you win. Uh, I shouldn't say you win. You win in your own life. You're not trying mm -hmm. to beat anybody, right? You, you don't have to compare yeah, yourself to yeah, anyone. It's not a competition. No, it's not a competition. You, the only competition that we ever really have is just what you see in the mirror today. And you compare it to yesterday and you say, hey, my name's Mikey and am I better today than I was yesterday? Hell yeah. It reminds me of a book that was written by Joe Namath, the, uh, the Jets quarterback in 69 when they won the Super Bowl. He wrote a book that said, I can't wait for tomorrow because I get better looking every day. I was like, Joe, you crazy. And I've kind of adopted that. Not the better looking. I'm just a better version of myself every day. Yeah. And you know what makes me a better version? Understanding who the hell I am to begin with. I don't want to be told what I am and then uh, have somebody, you know, accuse me of anything. I don't care what you say. I'm still looking for who I am internally and how this man right here can be a better version of himself and take the best pieces of me and try to help somebody else find their best pieces at the same time. And if you take a country of people coming together like that, Holy crud. Do you remember, and I, I'm just saying this rhetorically, I guess, but 2013 when the bombings happened at the Boston Marathon, it was a pretty terrible time, obviously. Another time in America where we struggled. Mm -hmm. How much did we come together as a nation on that during that thing? It was insane. I mean, we had the marathon bombing, and unfortunately, you know, it, it was a sad time in America, you yeah. know. But everyone came together, Boston strong, everyone yeah. supported each other, you know, people were friendly, giving it to each other. And then, you know, we had President Barack Obama for a couple of years, you know, first black president. We were on such a... We were on a high. We were on a train, you know, yeah, we were right? going places. <laughs> yeah. I remember, you know, like when Poppy was standing out on the mountain the day after, or the week after, because it took him a while to get yes. out there. And when he, you know, he put his hand in the air and he said, this is our fucking city. I was like, did he just say that? But did they cancel yeah. him? No. They'd cancel him today, though, if he got out there and he threw an expletive out there. And if he talked about America being great and he took a flag and then he, you know, he began to, to wield it, they'd take offense to it. Now, that's an offensive thing. But just a few years ago, everybody in America fell in love again for the, for the underlying um, principles of the American spirit, which is fairness. And I don't want to say equality, but I mean, we're at least equal as men, right? Whatever yeah. our choices are, then we have to deal with those. But we're born equals in America and we can call ourselves Americans. I love that. I went to the Bruins game with my son, Lorenzo. That was the first thing that happened back in Boston. 
and we sang the national anthem with no music or anything. It was the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. I, I cried and I, I couldn't believe what it meant to be an American. And everybody there cried and they hugged each other. And it was like, I'm emotional thinking about how say, yeah. beautiful our country was. And how why was it? Because we were unified. We had a unification going on at that moment. And now the the foundation is is really changed quite a bit and where it goes from here heck i don't know but yeah i know one thing you and i are pretty busy to put our heads deep into politics when you know thank god we have a moment just to kind of talk about who we are and what we want to become and maybe it inspires the next generation as well and i think you're going to be as well as you know even my own kids but they're not here at the moment i'm looking right at you and i'm saying you're like i feel like you're just another one of my kids and i'm so proud of you and i know you don't need me to tell you that but i am and that's why i wanted to have you on today and i said i'm gonna have mikey on i've always loved having you around you're one of my sons and my daughter's friends that it was a no-brainer to have you here and i i can't wait to see what you're gonna do in the future brother Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, I, I grew up in this house, you know, I was here yeah. with you. I bashed my head on your car <laughs> trunk that one time, getting getting our football equipment out, you know. I, yeah, we've had a lot of good laughs and there'll be more to come too. But, you know, now that the stakes are a little higher oh, yeah. and, uh, and I expect the best. And whenever you need somebody to uh, at your side, you know, me and my family are always here for you, brother. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming on, bud. Thank you for having me. All right, kid. I'll see you soon. Take care. Ciao.